What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode six of Courtside Views. I'm your host, Andrew Bostic. The NBA is running rampant right now, and that's not a good thing. COVID is taking over the league as we speak. 84 players have entered COVID protocol over the past few days, and those numbers are rising essentially by the hour. You have superstars like Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and James Harden missing games over the next 10 days, potentially more. You have players, young players like Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley entering protocol. You have teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers who have upwards of nine players missing, which is leading to postponed games. We've so far had seven games postponed throughout the league. Um, The NBA is scrambling. The NBA and the NBA Players Association has essentially agreed on 10-day relief emergency contracts featuring G League players. Unfortunately, those players need to go through a five negative COVID test, even if you are vaccinated, in order just to get to the league. So with this new rule, we could see more games postponed, potentially more games canceled in the near future. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Adam Silver has come out in a press conference and said that there is no signs of stopping. There's no signs they're going to be resilient. They're going to push through this. They're going to give a lot of these G League players a shot. And they're going to kind of watch and be reactive to this, uh, not proactive. I think that there's really not much you can do unless you plan on going through a bubble, but you have to roll with the punches of what's going on. You know, we're not scientists out here. So we play with the cards that were dealt. You have teams throwing out 10 day hardship deals to all these players and you don't necessarily know what you're going to see. It's going to affect the standings. It just is. So you kind of have to wait it out. Um, Kyrie Irving has announced that he's coming back and we'll be playing all road games for the team. So you have news coming out everything revolving COVID and how it's going to impact the year. It's an unfortunate way that we are still affected by this almost two years later, but it's what we're working with. So the NBA is going to figure it out. We're going to keep it rocking. These guys are going to have a great opportunity from the G League to kind of show that they belong. You get awesome stories like Isaiah Thomas, Lance Stevenson's back in the league, and they're fun to watch. It's not exactly what we wanted. It's not exactly what we were hoping for, but we have to make the best of the scenario. We're still getting basketball. We're still getting stuff to talk about. So let's enjoy it. Enjoy the fandom and just be happy that we're still watching basketball. With this past week, not necessarily being the most exciting week with a lot of these G League players coming up to the NBA, uh, what better time to talk All-Stars? That's right. This week and next week, we are featuring Eastern Conference and Western Conference All-Star Predictions, and I'm super excited to see what you guys think. We're going to break down today. We're going Eastern Conference. I'm going to start it off with the starting backcourt. Starting at the point guard spot, we have Trey Young. Trey Young has come out and really worked on his weaknesses. Trey Young has been one of the most inefficient players in the NBA, but he's been a very high-volume player. He has toned it all down and has adjusted to the new rules where players are allowed to be a lot more physical with him, and he has taken it to the challenge. He's second in the league in scoring at 27.3 points per game, and he's averaging, as usual, 9.3 assists. He's still in the high turnover ratio, but for a player of his usage, averaging over 32% usage per game, he is down to turn the ball over, very similar like James Harden or Russell Westbrook. He is averaging just a little over four turnovers a game, but he's efficiently shooting the ball. He's shooting his best percentage from the field at 46%. He's shooting his best percentage from three at 37%, as well as a career high in free throw percentage of 89%. He's doing it all. The Hawks have been a little bit of a disappointment so far, especially coming off an Eastern Conference Finals uh, appearance last last year. 
They are right in the thick of the playoff race. They're in the play-on tournament right now. And if Trey Young continues to play the way that he is, and the rest of the Hawks kind of figure it out, John Collins having a little bit of a down year. Clint Capella isn't the defensive force that he was last year. So if the Hawks do start to figure it out, Cam Reddish is doing great, and DeAndre Hunter is hurt. Trey Young is his team. Trey Young is the nucleus. Trey Young is the engine. He is everything. He fully deserves this starting point guard nod, and I'm very excited to see what he does. Starting at the shooting guard position is Zach Levine. Seeing Zach Levine here and kind of going full circle and letting him really build off of last year's campaign and prove that he wasn't necessarily a one-hit wonder and that he can be that alpha dog. And you saw how energized he was in the Olympics and how he was able to play off the ball. He was able to play off these superstars and do what it took to win, to be able to get that Olympic gold. And you saw just the happiness that he was and really the best shooting that he's ever done. And he's carried that over into the regular season this year. He's averaging 49% from the field. 39% from three, while averaging 26 points, five boards, and four assists. He's doing it all for this team and doing it efficiently. He has never been efficient, very similar to the same knack as Trey Young. He was always an uber athlete. He was always a good shooter, but he was never in this elite category of players that are able to shoot nearly 40% from the field at the volume he's shooting. He's averaging over three threes a game with the volume of shots that he takes and the ability that he's able to get to the basket and play make, the pairing of him and DeMar DeRozan, who we will get to later, is dynamite. He's incredible, and it's so cool to see. And I have always compared him to, to Devin Booker, so to see Devin Booker get that shine last year and to see Zach Levine get the shine this year is awesome. It's incredible to see. The Bulls are super fun. They're an exciting team, so seeing Zach Levine getting that starting nod is you know very, very well-deserved. Heading into the small forward spot, uh, I'm giving this one to DeMar DeRozan. I'm giving it to the backcourt running mate. Uh, he's been playing a little bit of small ball four right now, but in this lineup that you'll see, he's going to be playing the three. Um, DeMar DeRozan is proving all of the doubters wrong. He looks revitalized. He's averaging almost 27 points per game. Uh, he's averaging over seven rebounds a game and is averaging four assists. His defense has been slightly above average, which is Never happened in his entire career, whether it was with the Raptors or whether it was with the Spurs. He is taking this challenge and owning it. And he's doing it the way that he wants to. He's not changing his game. This game has always been just his. He is dominating. There are times where it doesn't look like he's ever going to miss a mid-range shot. He has said, absolutely screw analytics. I'm going to play my game. You're not going to stop me. I'm going to continue to do it. And that works perfectly in this offense because he's surrounded by shooters. Lonzo Ball shooting over 40%. Zach Levine shooting nearly 40%. Booch, yes, he's ice cold right now, but he is an effective shooter when he gets into his rhythm. You have Kobe White, you have Alex Caruso. They're surrounding him very similar to like what the Sixers have done in the past with Ben Simmons, surrounding him with shooters. So it's so exciting to see him thrive in this role and not be a liability on defense, which is why the Bulls are in the position that they're in. To be able to throw out two all-star starters was not expected by the Chicago Bulls, but DeRozan deserves it. He's also shooting over 50% from the field. Like, good for him, man. It's awesome to see. It's great that he was able to shun the haters, send to tell him to kick rocks. And Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, take a bow. These two, you can pretty much lock them in. Everyone's going to have them here. They're both going to be here, starting at number four. The MVP leading candidate, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is doing everything and anything for the Brooklyn Nets. 
He is leading the league in scoring at nearly 30 points a game. He is shooting 38% from three. He's shooting 30, 52% from the field. He is turning the ball over very minimally. He's averaging four assists per game. He's averaging eight rebounds per game. There is not a single thing that Kevin Durant cannot do because he's also willing to lock people down on the defensive end. I think long-term, I personally don't want to see Kevin Durant playing 37 minutes per game in the regular season. I still think about the torn Achilles. Still terrifying. But Kevin Durant is a baller. He just loves basketball. Kevin Durant is so freaking fun to watch. He is unguardable. He is a 2K character brought to life. A 7-foot wing player who handles like a point guard and can shoot over the top of anybody. He's incredible. He's amazing to watch. And what he's been able to do with no Kyrie and with James Harden playing arguably some of the worst basketball of his career and all the injuries and Brooklyn being absolutely ravaged by COVID. He is doing everything and anything for this team. He deserves this. He is, like I said, the leading front runner for MVP. He deserves all the praise under the sun. Kevin Durant is a blessing to the game of basketball. So he absolutely deserves this spot and will probably be the leading vote getter for the Eastern Conference. Starting at the center position is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis has been in and out of the lineup with a little bit of injuries, as well as just some little knicks knacks here and there. But he's a dominant force. Giannis Antetokounmpo is baby Shaq. He's down there in the paint, knows his game. He's averaging 27 points. He's averaging just over 10 rebounds. And he is averaging six assists. So he's still being the playmaker that he is. And the dude all, Chris Middleton had COVID. Drew Holiday hurt. Brooke Lopez hurt. Very similar situation to Kevin Durant. Giannis has taken a big brunt of the responsibility of what he's had to do. But Mike Budenholzer is not giving. He is managing Giannis's minutes. He is averaging nearly less than five minutes less than Kevin Durant. He is saying, regular season, I'm managing his playing time. We are focusing on the playoffs. We're not focusing on the here and now. The Bucs don't care if they come in as a six seed, a five seed, a four seed, a one seed, or an eight seed. They believe that if they get in the playoffs and they're fully healthy, they can beat anybody, just like they, just like they did last year. So I think all Giannis needs to do is continue to play his game, continue to play smart, continue to be healthy, and just go out there and ball. Giannis is also, for the first time in his career, averaging over a three a game. He's only shooting 28%. Not great, obviously. But if he can get into even close to that Draymond Green territory of 31, 32% and three, with everything that he does on the offensive end of attacking the paint, if he adds a three-point game in the low 30s to where it's respectable, to where you physically cannot leave him wide open, He's going to be physically unstoppable. He's already damn near impossible to stop right now, but you've seen a lot of players at least be physical with him, kind of like what Al Horford was able to do and kind of just throw a body on him and push him out of the paint and play like that lockdown paint presence. If he adds a three-point shot, I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified of what that's going to look like. And that right there is your Eastern Conference All-Stars. Now that we had a chance to talk about the Eastern Conference All-Star starters, now we got to get into the reserves. First person I want to feature on the reserves is somebody that I believe if it was able to play more games throughout the season, he would be a starter. And that's Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, I have come on the limb and say that when healthy, Joel Embiid is arguably the best player in the NBA. Joel Embiid is a two-way force. 
and one of the closest things that we've seen to Akeem Olajuwon. His footwork is absolutely incredible. He is a dominant pain presence, and as you saw just a couple nights ago against the Boston Celtics, he is adding a mid-range game. He is coming out here and dominating. He has put up 40-point double-digit rebound games with five assists on multiple occasions. He can get you from the paint. He can get you from three. He does anything and everything. Joel Embiid playing without Ben Simmons. It's just a matter of time until a decision is made whether Ben comes back or Ben gets traded. And I really hope that the Sixers do make a decision. I don't want to focus too much on that because Joel Embiid does deserve that shine. You don't get a player like Joel Embiid on your team very often. So to waste a year of his prime when he has had a lot of health issues in the past, it's tough. It's it's a tough pill to swallow as somebody who is a massive Joel Embiid fan. You want to see him play with effective players. And if that means going out and getting, you know, multiple role players a la the Wizards did, or going out and getting, you know, a sub-tier star in like a CG McCollum role, it's what you need to do. You need to surround this guy with talent and give him a pick and roll player that he's never been around. And you're going to see an even better version of Joel Embiid because he can anchor a defense as well as anchor an offense. And if you just get him ready for the playoffs and just keep him healthy, the Sixers can be a championship contender. He's that type of player. Tyrese Maxey's coming out of a shell as well. Uh, Tobias Harris looks, unfortunately, like Tobias Harris. So they need one more piece in there. And yes, if Ben Simmons comes back, he's that piece. If they trade Ben Simmons, whoever they get back, he'll be that piece. Joel Embiid is that good and that talented. And when you average 25 points, 11 boards, almost three blocks, and five assists, yeah, you deserve to be an all-star starter. Unfortunately, he just hasn't played that many games. I still think he will get an all-star bid. He just doesn't have enough to be an all-star starter. Next up, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal has such a reputation of being a top-tier scorer. This year, he has had a down year. Bradley Beal is only averaging 23 points a game, which, according to his standards, after last year where he averaged over 30, he is having a down year. So the Wizards got off to a very hot start. Beal was taking on a much bigger playmaking role, taking over six assists a game, stepping up while Spencer did when he was doing what Spencer did what he does, as well as being extremely inefficient. The Wizards are on a massive cold streak. They have, were 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, and they are free-falling after their massively hot start of 14-8. and eight. And Bradley Beal's kind of falling in that same realm. After starting off shooting 50% from the field, he's back down to about 45. And he, he really needs to get it going, but his numbers still show all-star. He's still that guy. He's still an incredible scoring threat. Like I said, he's, in, he's improved his playmaking. And from the overall metrics and the overall numbers, Bradley Beal deserves to be an all-star. Number two, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has been battling his number two running mate and arguably number one player on the Celtics in Jalen Brown for the alpha dog spot for the Boston Celtics. I think that long-term, they got to figure out that partnership and how it works. But Jalen Brown, very similar to Joel Embiid, has not played enough games to unfortunately even be considered for an all-star. When healthy, Jalen Brown's an all-star, and not even a question, but unfortunately, like I said, has missed way too many games. Jason Tatum, 26 points, eight boards. Playmaking is just not there. The playmaking is something that needs to grow. He's averaging under four assists, which is good, but for an alpha dog scorer and for to be for somebody that's trying to share the floor with Jalen Brown and show that it can work, that's where he needs to work on. That's where he needs to grow. He needs to grow as a playmaker and follow in his fellow St. Louis running mate, Bradley Beal, follow in his footsteps, follow in something that he's been able to do, and that's expand his game and grow his team. The Celtics are extremely 
underperforming. They're not getting anything of what they're supposed to be, and they need him to figure it out fast. But on a baseline numbers perspective, Jason Tatum has the numbers to be an all-star. His efficiency is way down. Instead of his career 47% from the field, he's averaging 42. But Jason Tatum, overall, all-star reserve. First interesting one, my Cavaliers boy, Jared Allen. The robbery of the James Harden deal is smoking hot right now. 17 points, 11 boards, two blocks, and an NBA league-leading 71% from the field. Jared Allen has never gotten this kind of run on the offensive end, and it's so cool to see that he's able to do that. He's able to cover the ball in the post. He's coming off pick and rolls. He's coming off pick and pops. He's getting involved in many different situations, and he is being aggressive. He's not just trying to float around and find spots and run motion and just fill in holes. He's demanding the ball. He's demanding switches. He's bodying players down, though. He's doing everything that Rudy Gobert should be doing, but he's doing it and he's being effective at it. He's also one of the top five players when it comes to PER on the defensive end. It's incredible. It's amazing to see, and he deserves every bit of shine and turnaround that the Cleveland Cavaliers has to offer because he is a two-way anchor on this team. It's awesome. The, the Cavaliers are fun to watch. They're so cool. Um, unfortunately, his running mate, Darius Garland, I don't have him in the All-Star team, and that hurts me to say, but he will be featured in one of our snub categories. Jared Allen deserves this. He deserves to feature this, and I'm very excited and excited to see him play in Cleveland for the All-Star game. Next up, one of the most exciting players to watch in an absolute league pass must, LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball, LaMelo Ball, LaMelo Ball is a bona fide superstar. 20 points, 8 boards, 8 assists, one and a half steals. Field goal percentages aren't there. He's averaging 42% from the field, 34% from three. He is just so goddamn fun to watch. He has this team running. When he is healthy, when he's playing, unfortunately, currently he's in COVID protocols. When he has it going, this team has three other gears. He can do anything. He can score from the perimeter. He can get in the paint. He can make plays. And he is so smart for his age. His playmaking ability is something that older players dream of. You don't get to be that type of player and make just those reads at his age in only his second year. That doesn't make sense. You shouldn't be able to do that at such a young age, but that's why the Hornets are in the position that they're in because the mellow ball is able to step up and lead this team. He is a big reason of why Miles Bridges has the room and the growth that he has because LaMelo opens up the floor. Yes, Terry Rosario deserves credit. Yes, Gordon Hayward deserves credit. But LaMelo Ball is the engine and the heart of this team, and it starts with him. Without him, not a single player is as good as they are in this lineup. This team should be a playoff team because of LaMelo Ball, and that is why he is an all-star. James Harden. I don't want to put James Harden as an all-star, but the numbers say he's an all-star. Overall, he is number three in the league in double-doubles. He is number two in the league in assists, over nine assists a game. He's averaging just over 20 points a game. Uh, he is still leading the league in turnovers, which he always does, and he will always fight Russell Westbrook. Um, he's shooting just over 40% from the field. He's shooting just over 34% from three. But his numbers, his baseline numbers are still fantastic. He's still getting, he's improving from getting to the line at a very high rate. He 
is shooting incredibly from the free throw line, which is never going to change at his usual almost 89% from the free throw line. He, even in a down year, like th- think about those numbers, 20 points, nine assists, and th- like that's a down year. He's, I believe he's averaging just under, yeah, he's averaging just under seven boards a game. He's still doing everything. He's still doing everything and anything. He's putting up LaMelo Ball numbers, who I'm praising that he's having this incredible year. He's putting up LaMelo Ball numbers that I'm saying he's having a down year. That's just the price that you pay for being in the stratosphere of talent that James Harden is, of being one of the best offensive players of the past 15, 20 years, and being able to change the game, essentially having the rules changed kind of against you. It comes with the territory. I have a lot of respect for James Harden. I think the way he plays, I think he's able to adjust and he's able to do pretty much anything. And I think toward the end of the year, once he gets back into rhythm, once Kyrie comes back and he's able to kind of get back into his mojo, you're going to see his percentages go up. You're going to see the Nets become a very, very scary team with Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden. And I think his percentages, like I said, will go up. James Harden is an all-star. I don't think that he's at that point where he's going to be an MVP candidate again. I think that he does look a tad bit slower. I think he does look a tad bit out of shape based on his conditioning. He's still not anywhere relevant on the defensive end. But all-star-wise, he's there. He's an all-star. For the last spot, I'm going DeMontis Sabonis. I don't know why, but I'm doing it. DeMontis Sabonis. Pace are great. 19 points, 12 boards, 5 assists, and a PER in the top 5. He is one of the most boring players to watch in the NBA. He's like an old school, like high post, elbow player, not really flashy, just super efficient. Like 59% from the field, just really good from the free throw line. He's starting to extend his range. He's shooting 29% from three. Not really doing anything crazy, but like just really, really smart. Like really great footwork down low. Really takes after his father, who was a former pro, Hall of Famer. Like he's just a good basketball player. I talk a lot of junk about him, but he's a good basketball player. He's an old school basketball player. He's not super athletic. He's not going to anchor a defense, but he is in the right spots 99% of the time. And he just scores. He makes the right read. He makes the right roll, whether it's a pick and roll, a pick and pop. He's at the rim. He seals you out. He uses his body almost like Kevin Love did back when he was with the Timberwolves. Just knows how to rebound well, knows how to read the rim, knows how to read the ball. And he just is in the right place at the right time. Demonis Sabonis is wanting to be out of Indiana. I'm very interested to see if Indiana finally pulls the plug on either him or Miles Turner and giving this a shot and seeing what he looks like with a number two in an actual running mate to where maybe he doesn't have to run the offense. Will he get even more efficient? Will he get a higher volume of shots? I don't necessarily know. I think one rumor that you heard out there is switching him for Chris Ops, Porzingis, and some picks. That would be super interesting. I would love to see what him and Luca are able to do. That'd be wild. But again, just rumors. Simone is an all-star. He is. This would be his third all-star. So at that point, can you really call it a fluke? I don't think so. He has put up great numbers. He's a great player. He is, like I said, not flashy, but Demonis Simonis is an all-star. He's here representing Indiana. My top two subs are Darius Garland and Miles Bridges. The reason that I didn't put in Darius Garland is because it was really tough based on the way that he started the, started the year, 
it's kind of in a slump. Ricky Rubio was really kind of taking a lot of those playmaking initiatives, and Darius was not super efficient. Over his past 12 games, he's been averaging 23, 9, and 42% from the three and 45% from the field. If he had those numbers for a longer period of time, that is a guaranteed bona fide all-star, and I would have put him over either LaMelo or James Harden. But unfortunately, because he wasn't able to do it for the start of the season, and maybe that'll change by the time the all-star break comes, but as of right now, I can't, even with my bias, I can't put him over a player like LaMelo or James Harden, but he's still got time. It could happen. I'm excited to see Darius even be in this conversation because that means that we have a true building block. The Cavaliers have their guy. They have a young stud point guard of the future. It's super exciting to see that. And him pairing with Jared Allen and the young Evan Mobley, we'll see where that goes. It's a great trio. It's a great team to build off of. They're all super young. And he's going to constantly be in that conversation to potentially, what I hope, is him pushing Trey Young for that starting spot. I don't want to get ahead of myself, though. I'm excited just to have him in that conversation, and hopefully he's going to prove me wrong and he will make that all-star team. My last snub is Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges, like I said, is very similar to being a cog in the, in the LaMelo Ball game. But Miles Bridges is balling. I'm going to give him all the credit in the world. With his 30-point games, these highlight reel dunks, he's efficient. He's averaging just over 19 points, just under 20. He's shooting 36% from three. He's shooting 78% from the field. And he's doubled his assists that were a career high. He just averaged 1.9 last year. And he's averaging 3.8 this year. He's increased his playmaking, but he hasn't increased his turnovers. He's averaging just under two turnovers a game. So he's gone from a one-to-one assist ratio to a two-to-one. That is very, very impressive. From a player who was essentially a 13-point two assist player to now being a 20.4 assist player. That's awesome. That's incredible. He's also taking on a massive role on the defensive end because Gordon Hayward is not that defensive player. So nine times out of 10, Miles Bridges has to guard the team's best, either wing or four that can score the ball. So he's doing it on both ends. He's a two way effective player and he is, he turned down a four year, $60 million contract last year, bet on himself and holy hell, the Hornets are going to have to open the wallets because Miles Bridges is going to get paid. You're going to look at that Mikael Bridges deal of the four-year $90 million that he got, and they're essentially going to say Bridges is getting over 100 mil. Based on his scoring prowess and what he's able to do on the defensive end, he's not as good as Mikael Bridges on the defensive end, but he's way better on the offensive end and is still being extremely efficient. I can see Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball being running mates for a very long time. I'm interested to see where Scary Terry as well as Gordon Hayward fit into this offense long term. But building blocks of LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges excite Hornets fans. They excite me as an NBA fan. And I really want to see how that pairing looks and goes forward overall. But the Eastern Conference looks stacked. I think overall, as we get into it next week, the Western Conference is just insane. They have a list of snubs that could be all-star reserves here, but these is good. These is stacked as well. Trey Young, Zach Levine, Kevin Durant, Giannis, and DeMar are our all-star starters featuring Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, Jared Allen, Jason Tatum, LaMelo Ball, James Harden, and DeMontis Sabonis racking up the all-star reserve spot. The coach of the year I'm going to give to Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan, I'm going to swing that into the coach in the all-star team in this role because of what he's been able to do and what he's been able to turn around in Chicago in such a short amount of time. Right behind him is J.B. Bakerstaff based on the improvement, but Chicago put their chips down. They bet on Billy Donovan. 
They said, we are going to give you the tools. Go out there and prove us right. And he has. He's right now, they're number two in the East. I'm going to give him all the credit in the world. He has two all-star starters in Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Billy Donovan, can coach your ass off and get these East All-Stars a win. And that wraps it up for today's episode. Heading into Christmas break this weekend, we are going to skip over Saturday's episode and swing right into next Wednesday, where we are going to be featuring the Western Conference breakdown of their prediction All-Star teams. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Courtside Views, as well as on Spotify, where they have a new five-star rating. You can rate your favorite podcast. Go on, give us a five-star rating. Let us know what you think, and we'll see you guys next time.